So far, amen. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Well, you know, um, I, was just, I was just thanking the Lord this morning while we were worshiping here. Um, what a great privilege it is um, to have responded to the call of God in your heart to be here this morning. You know, a lot of people got the call, but didn't respond. But you responded. And so you're here by divine appointment. You're here, and you had the will to be here. Um, and you decided, I'm going to go, and I believe God has met you. And uh, that's uh, the reason here. And, you know, I, I'm just so um, honored to, to be able to share with you. I count it such a, a privilege and an honor to be able to talk to God's Divinely appointed people. Amen. Give you guys a round of applause. Give yourself a round of applause this morning. So it is uh, the season. It's Christmas season. It's December. It's a great time of the year. Uh, we're all looking forward to the 25th and everything that's going to be happening this month and the gifts and so on and so forth. And so uh, I want to talk about Jesus. Amen? I want to talk about Jesus. We do talk about Jesus. I mean, every service we get together, we talk about Jesus. But I just want to really focus on some unique things um, about Jesus uh, this week and certainly next week. How many of you know Clayton Jennings? Oh, wow. How many know Clayton Jennings? Well, okay. How many of you are under 40? You should know Clayton Jennings, right? I know him. All right. Jesus. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a little over 40. Okay. This is what he said. He said, Jesus was either a maniac, maniac, or a musician, or the Messiah. He said, who we say, uh, uh, sorry, who we say Jesus was doesn't change who he is. Who we say Jesus was changes who we are and where we'll spend eternity. Isn't that powerful? You know, Jesus at his birth sent dread up the king's spine and fear. As a young boy, he confounded the learned uh, Pharisees of his day and the teachers. As a man, he walked on water and he hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and never charged for his services. He never wrote a book, yet all the libraries of the world could not hold the books that have been written about him. He never wrote a song, yet, all, yet he has furnished the theme of more songs than all the songwriters combined. He never founded a college, yet all the schools together cannot boast of having as many students as he has. Great men have come and gone, yet he lives on. Death could not destroy him, and the grave could not hold him. Do you give Jesus a praise this morning? 
So we want to talk about some unique things about Jesus. And probably what I'm going to say to you, you've already all heard. It won't be new to you. Uh, but it'll encourage you in your faith to believe in Jesus. Amen. The first thing I want to say about Jesus is that he's always existed. Many people think that Jesus only came into being when given birth by Mary. But according to John chapter 1 and verse 1, the scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So he is the Word that was with God in the beginning, whatever that means. I try to figure out what it means in the beginning. What was before that? If that was the beginning, something was before that. God has always existed. He's eternal. He's always existed. So John, by the Holy Spirit, says, well, he was with God in the beginning. In other words, it doesn't matter how far back you go. Jesus has always existed. He is God, and he, according to the scripture, is the word made flesh. When he came to the earth, the Bible says that God prepared a body for him. He came as the spirit, but God prepared the body, and they called him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Do you know that Jesus created all things? Most people think God the Father created all things. I believe they all worked together. I believe the Father came up with a concept, and Jesus spoke it out, and then the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the deep and created all things. The actual power to create was the Holy Spirit. But Jesus created all things. In John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And for those who weren't following, verse 3 comes immediately after verse 1. So we're still talking about Jesus who was there in the beginning. Okay? Don't want to lose anybody. I know this is a complicated sermon. Okay, so we'll stay with it. I want you, if you're making notes, write this down. I love this statement. Write this down. Jesus did not come to stop sinners sinning. He came to make dead people live. You see, when we talk about Jesus, we talk about church, um, people get this defensive mode like, well, are you calling me a sinner? We talk about Jesus, calling me a sinner. Well, you should go to church. You know, are you calling me a sinner? And then say, well, I, I, don't want to, I don't need Jesus because, you know, I'm not that bad. You know, I'm not that bad. I don't do really evil things. People tend to think of themselves in a better light. I'm, I'm better than the next person. They're kind of judgmental, but I'm better than the other people. But here's the thing. Jesus did not come to stop sinners sinning. You see, when you get born again, become a Christian, you stop sinning. But that's not the reason Jesus came. Jesus came to make dead people live. We're all dead in our sin. That's what the Bible says. We're dead in our sin. From the time that uh, Adam sinned in the beginning, death came into the world, sin came to the world, and all died. That's what the Scripture said. So we're actually born dead. I know this is really complicated. Um, so I'll try and explain it to you because we're talking about two deaths. We're talking about a spiritual death and we're talking about a physical death. 
Okay, so that's, that's where the complication comes in. See, in John 3, in verse 36, the scripture says, Whoever believes in the Son, talking about Jesus, has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on him. In other words, Jesus is the giver of eternal life. Here's the question I have for you. When do you get this eternal life? When you die and go to heaven, or do you get it here on earth? If you don't get it here on earth, you're not going to heaven. Having eternal life is what qualifies you to go to heaven. Okay? So Jesus is the source and the giver of eternal life, which has to be received right now. So you could always ask somebody, instead of saying to them, hey, are you a Christian? You could actually say to them, have you received eternal life? And they go, what? What now? Who? And that's the thing. You could say to them, I mean, you really could. It's a legitimate question. How many of you have received eternal life? See that? The rest of you didn't raise your hand. We've got a great altar call today. I'm talking about Jesus. Come and get the eternal life. It's been given out free. Okay? All right. So, Jesus is the source and the giver of eternal life. He who does not believe in Jesus, according to this scripture, he who does not believe in Jesus does not have life and will not see life. So when you look at a person who's a Christian, you can't tell externally that they have this life that God is talking about. You can't tell that they have it. Because it's an internal life. You see, the life that came, that came that he's talking about is the life that comes to your spirit man. Remember this. You are a spirit being. You have a soul. That's your mind, your intellect, your thinking, all of that. That's your soul. And you live in a body. This body is just your tent. This body will die sometime. That's what releases you from this earth. But your spirit and your soul will never die. But your spirit man comes to life when you receive Jesus as your Savior. And that eternal life Jesus gives to you comes into your spirit man, and your spirit man comes alive. So what Jesus is talking about, and I'm going to read the next scripture that's going to help you understand this, is that the life he's talking about is the life that you can't see, that's inside your spirit being. Your spirit being lives forever and forever and forever, but not your body. So let's read. Um, well, before I read this, I have got another statement. And it's a little long for you to write down, so you might want to just listen to it. Jesus did not come to introduce man to a better way of living. He came to give dead people life so that they may live for the first time. Okay? People often say, well, get, bring Jesus into your life. It's going to be awesome if you have Jesus in your life, and then he'll walk this life with you. And that's true. That's true. Jesus will walk this life, and he'll never forsake you, never leave you. That's all true. Nothing wrong with that. He'll give you peace. That's all true. But that's not the primary reason. The primary reason is you've got to come from death to life. You've got to come alive. You actually have to receive Jesus and be born again in the inner man, and become alive. You know, this is the most amazing thing, is that when somebody received Jesus, repents of their sin, received Jesus, 
and they become a Christian. They receive the eternal life. They become alive. They go like, wow, what just happened? What just happened? The lights came on. Like, this is crazy. When it happened to me, I like, I can hear birds singing. Like I'd gone through my whole life at not even listening, didn't even realize. I mean, there's birds, but I'm never here to listen to them. You know, I mean, at 12 o'clock at night, I went lay out on the grass looking up at the sky. I go, look at those beautiful stars. Where have you been? I, I, something happened inside of me. Life came into me and it gave me a new perspective of everything about me, about people, about God, about the Bible. I mean, I truly was born again. I wasn't the same guy. And then I found out that I even had likes and dislikes that changed. The things that I wanted to do were different. I just, I just it wasn't a wasn't there a problem for me to start to live like a Christian or to start to drop off those other things? I actually wanted to do it. It's something that was like, you want to do it. And, then, and it's so hard for people to understand that. You know, being a Christian is so hard. No, actually, the reverse is true. Not being a Christian is ridiculous. You've got the devil kicking you in the head the whole time. You've got poverty. You've got sickness. You've got people arguing with you. You've got divorces. You've got deaths. You've got everything going on. And you're on your way to hell. I mean, tech, what, what have you got to look forward to? So, John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life. And that they may have it more abundantly. And you see, this abundant life he's talking about is the life that we experience in our spirit man. In our spirit man. Okay? So, this you can write down. It's short enough. You can write this one down. Jesus was born to die as an offering for our sin. He, the purpose he came, he was born to die. That was his purpose. Born to die as an offering for our sin. He knew he was coming as a sacrifice for our sin. In Matthew 20 and verse 28, Scripture says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. To give his life as a ransom for many. Some unique things we're talking about Jesus. Some unique things. He is the Messiah. Whether the Jewish people recognize him or not. We know he's the Messiah from the Jewish Bible. And that is crazy. The Jews have got the Bible. Got the Old Testament. Don't recognize the Messiah. We don't have that. We read their Bible and we recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Yeah. I've actually heard Jewish people say, you stole our Messiah. You made him Christian Lord. You stole our Messiah. Well, you're welcome. You didn't want him. We want him. You're welcome to come anytime you want to. You know, there are 38 specific prophecies, messianic prophecies, that were fulfilled by Jesus in his birth, his life, his ministry, his death and resurrection. 38. And I mean, I could go down that whole list, but let me just start with one that's very significant right now at this time. He was born of a virgin, and it was prophesied in the Old Testament. And in Isaiah 7, 14, and if you don't know what book that is, just ask your neighbor, if they've been here more than a week, that they understand the tongues that I speak. Okay. Isaiah 7, 14, 
Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. This is a sign. Jewish people, this is a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. We're told that in the New Testament. So this was a sign that a, that a virgin would conceive. Okay? That's crazy. Isn't the Bible full of crazy stuff? I mean, that's crazy stuff. This prophet should have been thrown out. <laughs> Writing stuff like that, a virgin's going to conceive. Yeah, well, well, you know, we're not going to sell your books anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Except he's one of the greatest prophets of all time. So there, there is a, there's a prophetic word. There's a messianic prophecy, which we know was fulfilled. Here's another one by the same guy. Isaiah 50, verse 6. It's talking about Jesus. L listen. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. And they pulled out his beard from his face. That's got to be painful. Close to giving birth for ladies. Okay? Not birthing people. Ladies. If you don't know what that means, you don't follow the news. Okay. Someone look at me. Who's birthing people? You obviously not walk enough. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Even says, even says shame and spitting. They spat on him. They literally spat on him. And it said so that it was going to happen. Here, back here, it said they were going to spit on him. I mean, that is, that is accurate. That, I mean, that's phenomenal. So you see, even in these verses we're reading, there are multiple Messianic prophecies in these verses, not just one. Let me give you another one. Also by Isaiah 53 and verse 7. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Have, when you read the story in the Gospels of Jesus coming in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, and uh, the Roman uh, governor and Pilate and so on. And you read that it says that he didn't, he didn't answer them, and then sometimes he did answer them. Maybe confusing, but what you'll find is that Jesus spoke to the governor, the Roman gentle, Gentile governor. He answered him when the governor asked him, Who are you? Are you a king? And he answered, Yes, I am. You know, and we could send angels and so on. He, he spoke to him. And then that man, you know, but to the Jewish leaders, he didn't answer. He didn't answer. So this scripture is fulfilled because they wanted to crucify him and he didn't defend himself. So that's why you see that and you think, well, did he speak or didn't he speak? So to the Gentile Roman, you know, Herod, he spoke, but not, not to the, the, the Jewish people. So we're talking about unique claims of Jesus. He claimed to be the only way to God. He claimed to be the only way to God. In John 14 and verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I want to point this out, and I'm, it's, it's obvious. He didn't say, I am a way. And he didn't say, I'm a truth. And he didn't say, I'm a life. Which would mean that there are multiple ways. Multiple truths. Because, you know, in today's world, they'll say, well, 
That might be true for you, but that's not true for me. You heard that? Yeah. So not all truth is truth. But that's false. Because truth is truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Indicating that there's no other truth or life outside of him. Then he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And I looked up no one in the Greek. And it means no one. Okay? So no one comes. Jesus, Jesus said no one comes except through me. Now, I, I, love, I love this, uh, this, this thought um, that Bill Weiss introduced, and it's in his book, and he, he shared when he was with us. Um, and, of course, he's one of the greatest evangelists that I personally know. Over a million people have come to Christ through his ministry, and so we're thrilled to know him as our good friend. And uh, he also endorsed my book, Believer's Guide, Financial Guide. Okay, so he said he was on a radio show, and uh, the guy was an atheist, and he said, I want to ask you some questions, but you cannot use Scripture to answer me. You have to answer me another way. And this man referred to this, where Jesus said that he was the only way. The, the guy interviewing him, he said, Jesus said he's the only way. And he says, don't you think that that is totally exclusive, that he just rejected everybody else and, and he just wanted to be the only way and it's not right. There's many sides to climb the mountain and all this kind of stuff. You've heard the stories. Many religions can get you to heaven. And he says, so answer me now. So he shoot a quick prayer to heaven. God, you've got to help me. How do I deal with this? And this was his answer. And, I, and I've used it so many times. In fact, I used it just this week. Let someone to the Lord. It took me about eight minutes because I had to drive the person home from the car the guy had fixed my car, and I had to, you know, he was coming to take me home so he could take the car back. So I had about eight minutes. And that was great. That's all I needed. Praise the Holy Spirit. Got him praying, crying, receiving Jesus. And I told this story. I used the story with him. I'm going to tell you the story right now. So he said, <clears throat> you know, when we're going to my house, I was telling the guy with me, this is how you get to my house. You know, we were, we were going up uh, Washington, and we'd go all the way up Washington until we get to Citrus. We get to Citrus, we're going to make a left turn. We go up to Red Blush, then we're going to take a left turn onto Honeybell. So I said, if you go on the 78 and you go to Oceanside, you won't get to my home. This is the way you've got to come. Why am I giving you such accurate directions? Because I want you to get here with my car. This is how you've got to come. So you see, when Jesus was said, this is the only way to the Father, he was inviting people to the Father's house in heaven. And he surely would know the way. So for us to say, well, I can get there through Muhammad, or I can get there through Allah, or I can get there through another way, is a mistake. Because he's trying to invite you to his house. Surely he knows where he lives. God is saying, this is where I live. Come to me. Come through my son Jesus. This is the way you come. And then mankind says, oh no, no, no. There's another way. 
We'll find another way. We will still get to heaven, but we'll get there another way. You won't. You won't get there another way. Because Jesus said he was the only way. And so what he was doing was being inclusive. He was saying everybody can come. But this is the way you've got to come. He wasn't saying, no, you can't come depending on your race, your nationality, your age, your gender. You can't come if you, whatever. No, no, you can all come as long as you come through Jesus. All right? I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. That's what he was saying. Jesus also said, I am the resurrection. In John eleven twenty five, 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Honestly, if I were standing there, I'd say, I don't know. I, I don't know if I live or die. If I die, I don't die. If I live, I won't die. And if I, if I die, I'll live. Yeah, I got that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Is there anybody else here? Help me with this. Because that, that's a tough one. Unless you understand the fact that there's a physical death and a spiritual death. Unless you understand that you're a spirit being living inside a body, you could not understand this. It's just like too confusing. So now let's read it the way that we understand. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Now he who believes in me will live. He will live. There's two ways you're going to live. First of all, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to come alive right now. We already spoke about that early in the sermon. You're going to come alive right now. You're going to get born again. You're going to live. But he's also talking about being resurrected to eternal life if you believe in me. Then he says he will live even though he dies. He's talking about the outer man, this body, dying and going into the grave. (coughs) Excuse me. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Does that mean that Christians who believe in him are not going to have the outward man perish and die? No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about experiencing spiritual death, the second death. If we believe in Jesus, even though the outer man dies, the inner man will never die. And even though the outer man dies, Jesus said he is the resurrection and the life, and he will raise the man who died. The physical body will be raised into a new glorious body. Does that make sense? All right, so that's what he was saying. So if you believe me, you have life and you will not see death. Even though we'll go through a physical death, he's not talking about that death because we'll all see that death unless the rapture occurs and we'll be taken off the face of the earth without Seeing death. What have others said about Jesus? We're talking about unique things. What have others said about Jesus? The demons said, we know who you are. You are the son of God. Pilate, we asked Pilate, what is your opinion, Pilate? And he said, I find no fault in this man. Remember? When he asked him, he said, I find no fault in this man. Judas, this is the one who sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. What do you say now about your master, Judas? He says, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. What about the centurion and the uh, soldiers who whipped him mercilessly and nailed him to the cross? Have you changed your thoughts now, two of you? 
Yes, truly, this was the Son of God. That's what they said. John, you baptize people in preparation for Jesus' coming. What do you say of the Christ? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Apostle Peter, you denied him three times, and you repented. What do you say of your master now? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Doubting Thomas, you weren't there in the upper room when Jesus came. Have you changed your mind? Yes, my Lord and my God. Martha, Jesus raised your brother Lazarus from the dead. What do you have to say about him? I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Paul, you persecuted Jesus and you killed his followers. What is your witness now against him? I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Angels of heaven, what do you say about Jesus? Unto you is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. Apostle John, you wrote the book of Revelation. Do you have a revelation of who he is? He is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and who was and is to come, the Almighty. He is, his head is hair. His head and hair are white as wool, as white as snow. And his eyes are like blazing fire. His feet are like bronze glowing in the furnace. His voice is like the sound of rushing waters. Out of his mouth comes a sharp double-edged sword. His face is like the sun shining in his brilliance. Amen. Heavenly Father, what do you say? You know all things. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Friend, what do you say about Jesus? What do you think about Christ? Every eye closed. You've heard testimony from so many people today from the scriptures. From the Old Testament messianic prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. You've heard Jesus himself say who he was. You've heard a number of different people throughout the scriptures say how they've now changed their mind and now believe that he is the Lord, the Christ, the Messiah. Now it's up to you. This is your privileged moment. This is the moment God brought you to this place today. He brought you to the promised church to hear this little message about His wonderful Son, His beloved Son, in whom He's well pleased. My dear friend, if you have never repented of your sin and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then according to the Scripture, you do not have eternal life. And no one without eternal life will go to heaven. No one. Believing in Jesus as the Christ the Son of the living God, repenting of your sin, asking Him to save you, causes you to be born again in your spirit, man. And once you were dead, but you come alive. You come alive. And the truth is revealed to you. Jesus is the Christ. Heaven is your home. You never have to fear going to hell. Because you have believed. And even though you die, you will live.
because he is the resurrection and the life. Dear friends, this is an opportunity you cannot pass by. Today is your day. If you have not received Jesus as Lord, please receive him today. Pastor Henry, what do you want me to do? Something very simple. If you feel that conviction in your heart that you want to make Jesus Lord and give your life to Him, wherever you are, just raise your hand while everybody else is praying. And I'm going to pray specifically for you. And I believe you'll experience the life, the abundant life, the resurrection life that Jesus came to give you. So if you want to raise your hand for prayer, I'm looking right now in the VIP room all the way to the back. I'm looking here. If there's anybody who wants to raise their hand for prayer. Now I'm looking in the main auditorium. If there's anybody here who wants to raise their hand for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that I conclude that every person here has heard your word. I've delivered it as you gave it to me. And that word is a seed that has been put in their hearts. I believe it will germinate and produce life. I pray, Holy Spirit, if there's any person here who has not made that commitment, that you don't even let them rest until they make that decision. Because it is a matter of eternity, where they will spend eternity. And you've spoken clearly to us today. And Lord, I thank you for those that are here this morning and those that have been watching live. I thank you for these that truly are your born-again children. They're your lambs. They're your sheep. They're your bride. They are your wife. And I bless them in your name. I ask you to keep them until we see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, look up at me. Now we want to pray for you this morning. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward, our ministry team to come forward. If you would like prayer for any reason, sick in your body or financial issues, doesn't matter what it is that you need prayer for. We're here for you. We want to minister to you. We want to help you. Amen. So I'm going to have you all stand. And then if the people would like to come forward for prayer, this is the opportunity to come right down. And we will be happy to pray for you. And just to let you know that uh, this Wednesday is the last prayer meeting of the year, the Wednesday morning prayer meeting. And why don't we just give Pastor Lindsay a wonderful praise God for all the prayer, the time that she has led those powerful prayer meetings. And so this is the last of those meetings. And remember, there's that ladies' meeting that takes place afterwards, a great fellowship from 11 until 12. So God bless you. Have an awesome week. And those who'd like prayer, come on down. Thank you for coming out this morning.